Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Craze Cast, the podcast run by the fans for the fans that brings you closer to the action. My name is Jay and today I am joined by my fellow host Amber. Hi! And we miss you, Roxy. She is not here today. She is currently unavailable as she is on vacation, but we miss her greatly. And we have a guest host as well, one of our editors for the magazine, for Craze Magazine, Nian. Hello. Before we get into this episode, how are you guys doing this far into quarantine? What day is it? What? What month is it? It's been interesting. It is what it is, right? Definitely. Oh, man. The last couple weeks, though, but also before we get going, let's celebrate. We're on our 10th episode, guys. Yay! Yay! So to keep up with all our content, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Craze Magazine, and YouTube The Craze for exclusive interviews as they come up. Yay! So again, like Amber said, it is our 10th episode. Can you believe we've been doing this? For 10 episodes already, that means we've been well, doing no, it Well, technically, it's our 11th episode because oh, we have our true. special launch, but, like, it's our 10th official episode. That's so, true. Oh, my gosh. It's been almost three months since we started this. Oh, my goodness. That's really exciting. And I'm, like, happy and proud of you guys for doing it. Like, I know it's been, like, really fun for you guys to do. And I'm glad I get to be part of it this week. We love when our staff joins us. We really do love every member of our craze team. We're just a small but mighty bunch. So before we get started with today's discussion, I just wanted to remind you guys, um, if you want to help support the craze and the craze cast as a podcast, there's two ways that you can kind of go about it. First is our Patreon, um, where there's different levels for you to join, some as low as even a dollar. Others would be our Ko-Fi. Ko-Fi is where you could just simply buy us a cup of coffee for a small gift of $3. Um, To the magazine, you're able to help us continue to do a lot of fun activities for fellow K-pop fans and continue to provide a lot of our content for free. So, Jay, what are we talking about today? The main topic of today, I should say, is that we're fast approaching on Pride Month, which is in June. And for our first quarterly issue of 2020, we decided to have our feature on LGBT representation in K-pop. And so today I wanted to talk about um, LGBT representation just because we are in Pride Month and you're seeing a lot more surgeons of representation in K-pop. Just wanting to disclaim that the topics that we're talking about today do not reflect the views of the magazine as a whole. These are the opinions of us, the hosts, and our guests. So please be aware that these are just our thoughts and how we feel about it. And again, it does not reflect our magazine, the Craze Magazine, the overall views of the Craze Magazine, and or believe. So please just let letting you guys know that this is our thoughts as the hosts of LGBT representation in K-pop. Although for me personally, I do not identify as queer. I am very much a supporter of the queer community. I, I know how much this means to the community to be recognized. And definitely it's still something that we are all working towards and accepting. But 
um, before I further go into it, we definitely talked about in this article, in this issue for the feature, it was written by, I do want to credit the person who wrote it. It is written by one of our other writers, Georgia Davis. Um, she was the one who wrote on the topic where she talks about queerness in K-pop, who are the active supporters, who are the idols who identify as LGBT. And we even break down some of the 10 best LGBTQ K-pop mu music videos. So going into it, how do we feel? What are your guys' thoughts? So when I first read the article, it was really interesting because we really only have um, a few openly gay idols in the community. Um, being able to speak out like that in Korea is very difficult. As someone who lives in Korea, it's really not common for people to be out and in Korea and be open about their sexuality. So having um, an open, openly gay idol like Holland, for example, which is brought up in the article um, definitely was a change. And most recently on the Ednet TV show Good Girl, a rapper came on and she was full rainbow, living her best life, talking, um, singing a very uh, feminist, lesbian, idea-focused song. And it was really interesting to see that type of thing that would not be on TV in Korea 20 years ago um, in a country that isn't really accepting when it comes to um being on the lgbtq spec like in the spectrum or as i refer to as alphabet soup it's really interesting to see the leaps and bounds that they're making yeah before i read the article the only out idol that i knew of was holland so it was very interesting for me to see just who all was openly supporting it who was um openly out and more of the music videos that reference, you know, homosexuality. What I found fascinating is that, like, one thing that we're really familiar being, like, veteran, I'm a, like, quote, a veteran fan, like, a 10-plus fan of K-pop, is how, like, quote, queer baiting, which is mentioned in the article, like, fans have come to associate it as fan service. Like, while they're performing, while they're, quote, working, like, male and female idols are all over each other. But yet, if they're approached with a comment about their sexuality, they're like immediately like, it's not like that. So it's interesting this fact that they're, I guess you would say like gay for pay, which I don't like using that term, but we never know if it's just an act or if they're actually like portraying those type of feelings on stage. As somebody who is not queer and um, just an ally, from that standpoint, it's like you want the people who who you care about, who identify as LGBT, you know, to feel accepted and definitely like on the whole queer baiting thing, it's like, that's something I can't personally like relate with, but I can see definitely why it's just like, like, you know, you see, if you see Stan Twitter is like, oh, you know, um, the gays are out for this, blah, 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 you know? And it's just like, I want them to have that space where like, yeah, you know, hey, there's some, like, this is something that I really like, and, you know, this is something that really resonates, and sometimes it's sad that it just has to be a fantasy, when, you know, what the article decide, uh, what the article states is, you know, here in the West, 
there's definitely a lot more openness to seeing LGBT um, represented in the media. We definitely see it when we see queer characters as the main leads and they have a love interest that, you know, that really is for them. Although it is still, we're still leagues away from like doing something like that. It's, it's still there. Whereas in Korea, you don't get to see that. And, you know, I just, I feel bad in the sense, it's just like, there's these little crumbs that are left for the queer fans it's just like I just don't like I guess I just don't want it to be a fantasy I want it to be something that's like okay it's just not here in the west it's there too I'm not saying that it's not it's just the representation of it all is like you don't get to see it in the media and even when it is in the media it's still something that makes people uncomfortable um fans have to realize and know that queerness and LGBT related things um are still looked down upon because Korea is a very conservative country and I know I just hope that with how things are progressing now I mean it's still slow it's still slow in Korea but you know I hope that they too will have you know a platform to be and be like we're in the age where you know all the young people they're coming out you know they're more liberal and they want they don't want to be oppressed anymore and they want to you know share what they have does that make sense no definitely i totally see what you're talking about and like i mentioned that like in performances and in um variety shows the like lgbtq like behaviors are very like encouraged to a sense like everyone knows the uh the pepero game where they're like biting to make the smallest piece of pepero and like they're making out with each other by the end of it and the paper kiss game where they have to pass the paper to each other like these are like activities and games that are like really loved on variety shows that like push that boundary and the fact that like it's okay when it's that but it's not when it's just a couple down the street it's really frustrating One of the things I did want to talk about is, like, also how, like, you mentioned, like, a lot of idols are open and, like, supportive of the LGBTQ community. Like, one of the things is uh, my queen's Mamamoo on National Coming Out Day on their fan cafe. They literally talked about, was like, it's okay, love is love. Like, it's okay to love who you want. And a podcast favorite, Hong Joong, has been open about it as well. And there's several um instances where he's like yeah love who you want love is love um and I really just appreciate that like other groups like BTS has been big advocates um uh, Tiffany Young the former uh Girls Generation member she's been a big advocate it's really interesting to see that like there's all these groups that are like yes we're open to it but like if the moment someone says that like questions them they immediately backpedal so it's a little frustrating to me me and do you want to share your thoughts as somebody who is part of the queer community um it's like like you both have stated it's nice to see the representation but it would be a lot nicer if it was real i know again like it's been stated like korea is super conservative you know um and so it's going to be a long time before there are more idols out like holland making music videos um that are specifically 
about gay relationships and gay love songs um but it it does suck in a sense because you see it and you're like oh that's nice but it's not real definitely it's just it's really frustrating you know but I think that we could see that like there is definitely a mind shift change like seeing um groups being open on tv about this type of thing and group songs being played at events um that are queer focused and like massive communities like luna like the gays latched on to luna and like very popular uh korean drag queen kimchi she's always always about that stan luna life so it's really interesting to see that like how the tide is changing and as we are approaching pride month i'm wondering if we may see that shift change even more there's actually another uh drag queen her name is soju who um has been releasing k-pop inspired songs and um she just did one recently about jonghyun and i'm pretty sure she's close friends with tiffany young as well Yes, I saw that. Um, I think uh, they hung out. Was it? I don't know if it was Coachella last year, but they're they're definitely friends, and I I've seen them together, and I think that's really great because it's just like I although I'm not familiar with the drag culture in Korea, so I wouldn't know exactly. But definitely seeing this bridge of drag queens and you know active supporters, and definitely seeing a rise and definitely see oh I'm saying definitely a lot excuse me sorry um seeing more and more people advocating to see more queer representation is definitely a right thing I wanted to mention it's just like I I do find it a little sad that why is it that we only see them I'm not saying for all but a lot of the times whenever we see artists go on world tours and they're outside of Korea you definitely see the support it's there and it's it makes me sad that they can't be as open even if they're just supporters and allies that you know we don't see as much happening in Korea the year stray kids came to KCON New York their first appearance at KCON New York um they were spotted at Pride and they all uh Felix and Changbin were often they were seen wearing the shoe Nike shoes that were in support of the LGBTQ community like part of the proceeds went to support those communities and it's really like you see those things all the time like one of the things I do want to talk about though like while we are talking about like representation and things um we have reached in like previous um podcast episodes we talked about fan content um why do you think that like shipping is so prevalent like especially within like same-sex gendered ships um, well, it's really like both in international fandom and in Korean fandom, shipping is shipping is definitely a prevalent thing. That yet, the idea of it becoming reality isn't something on people's minds, at least on the Korean side of things. I was wondering what your guys' thoughts on that was. I'm a little bit still trying to gather thoughts, but I think a lot of it is just because you see these close friendships and you can. Because in, at least over here in the States, skinship isn't a thing that friends do. Skinship is very intimate, like, in America. So you see people, like, holding hands, hugging, cuddling. You automatically think 
romance. You don't think just platonic friendship, um, which I think is something that America could also work on because I love that. I'm a cuddly person. If I want to hug my friends and hold their hands, why can't I without it being seen as romantic? So I think when it comes to shipping, because these idols are so comfortable with each other and seen holding hands, hugging, whatever, they make the translation to, oh, they're in love. Definitely. I have to agree with me and on this one, just because it's um like it's so openly like accepted to be so affectionate in Korea. Definitely when I was there, when I visited, you can definitely see you can see it. Like whether you're out on the streets or like go in the mall shopping, like you can see that these people are overly affectionate. Um, Amber, I'm pretty sure I I believe it's a it's a thing where like if y'all are going out drinking, like sometimes like if you're getting too drunk, y'all are holding hands to keep each other in line, aren't you? Especially if you're men. I right? I mean, yeah, I uh, as the one who lives in Korea on the team, um I have definitely been on the receiving end of the drunk friends wanting to like hold my hand to keep standing up and not to lose them and even with my guy friends like they will literally like latch onto each other and it's not just in adults um even when you're not drinking the children like even in school are literally all over each other because it's just that's what friends do and then you take it here to the west you don't see that you know especially if you're drunk well you know let, let's just make sure that they don't run and like you know not that we encourage public intoxication because we don't hey, be safe, drink responsibly, people. But, you know, if you're heading home, you know, you're, like, you're not technically really, like, holding on to your friends and that, you know, making sure, well, unless you're that considerate of a friend, you know, most of the time it's like, let's just make sure, like, you, they can walk on their own, they're fine, you know, just let's make sure they're not running into things. But besides the point, besides that, it's like we see that affection happening. And then so shipping, you know, it it happens where it's so natural for them. And I think, yeah, that's why people are like so quick to ship. It's just like, oh my God, they're super close. Um, you know, but it's just like, sometimes, sometimes I, I'm going to say it. Sometimes it can get a little uncomfortable. Yes. Sometimes it can get a little uncomfortable. I mean, while I'm like, hey, if they really are, if they really are, like, if that's what's going on, hey, more power to them. But sometimes it can get a little bit uncomfortable. And for those, um, you know, some idols, like we can see, they play on it. And some people they do. Like, you can see them visibly get uncomfortable. I don't want to um, you know, I don't want to piss off the wrong community, you know, uh, I, I'm very hesitant to say that, you know, I'm scared, but it's, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll be the bad guy, you know, but I, I admit like sometimes it does get a little uncomfortable because like some fans take it too far. They, they, like they can get out of hand and it's just like, stop, put the brakes on it for a second. These are real people, you know? Definitely. Like when we did our content creation episode with our guest card K-pop, we talked about that type of stuff. One of the things that like, I hate it so much, especially I'm gonna call out my fandoms, uh, Stray Kids and ATs. I mean, guys, guys, there's no need to bring that to like a V-Live. We don't talk about like Changlix on a V-Live. You don't do that. 
Like, it's fine to do it in your fan communities, but you don't bring it to the where the idols can see it. Come on. Antis is another story because Wusan is literally, they ship each other. So, it's, there's lines. Just know where the line is. It's fine. I have nothing wrong with it, but like Amber and me and have said, you know, sometimes it crosses a line where it's like, whoa, a bit too much. And then I, I feel like sometimes people also get lost in that fantasy where it's like they're, they're just so like in tune. It's real. It's super real. It's happening. Like nothing else matters. You know, like, and it becomes a truth to them. But there in reality, a, we don't know. There's a big fandom that's very active on social media that I was, you know, updating the craze. Twitter accounts, we love talking with you guys, so definitely tweet us. Um, just checking out our timeline. And um, this big fandom, what there was an actual fight happening on the timeline over two separate ships that involved one person being the middle and like they're like no this is a ship no it should be this ship like trying to prove like evidence that it exists and i'm like why yeah shipping wars are almost as bad as fandom wars at this point it's okay to like have that type of content amongst yourself amongst yourselves but don't put it where the idols can see it we all know they stalk the hashtags and if you are gonna put it on the timeline censor it please before we end off on this subject definitely it's something like we need more representation for sure and we see sometimes we see it in music videos and i wanted to highlight you know in the article we do talk about some of the best LGBT K-pop music videos. I have not watched everything that's on this list, but the most standout ones, aside from Holland's Neverland, by the way, he is very cute in person. Like, so cuddly cute. I can, I'll send you pictures of how cute he was when I saw him on the K-pop floor. Anyways, one of the most iconic ones that I think, it's a rite of passage if you're, getting into k-pop is that you you have to just watch k-wills please don't the plot twist in that music video in it my god the plot twist of the century uh mian have you seen the k-will music video i had not seen it until i reread the article last night and it is intense i can say for because me and amber have been in, in the game for quite some time right Definitely Amber can agree. When this came out, it was like, whoa! Because you you don't get to see music videos like this. And it was a bold statement at the time because now, now in the K-pop sphere, we're seeing a lot more, you know, music videos that have LGBT representation. But at it at the time of when this released no one was really doing it like this. No one. And it's a bold statement by a big company and a big artist. K-Will is a veteran in the industry. His songs are always in the charts at one point. Like, he does really well. People know who he is. And when Please Don't came out and the music video came out, that was that was something in itself. And it's just like, yes, finally, there's more representation, at least from the time when 
I got into K-pop and that was a big thing when I was around that time. Definitely. Some of the music videos you might, that might, I know a couple have been featured in the article, but there is a ton more like Abracadabra um, by Brown Eyed Girls was actually the first, one of the first K-pop music videos that had a quote, almost same-sex kiss in the video. And it was one of the reasons that it got banned. Um, there's a bunch more, like Girls' Generations All Night, um, Drag Queens In, Mama Moo's Hip, uh, All In, everyone, um, All In by Monsta X, the, um, the implications of like Min Hyuk and Hyungwon being in a relationship in the video, um, Uma, Um Oh Ah Yeah, Mama Moo, um, where they cross-dress in the video and like represent like different genders. There's, it's there. Like, it's in the industry. It's subtle. But, like, there's a ton of representation there. But I wish it didn't have to be subtle. Like, it just be out and about. Like, yes, full-on representation and support. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Speaking of idol support um, of the community, we all love Heechul, right? We all love our man Heechul. Yes! Do you? I don't know if you saw his interview, but he chose one of those idols that everyone swore up in town he liked men. Like it was a constant rib at him the entire time. But he flat out said in the interview that like he never like commented on it. Like he never said like no, he wasn't gay because he was like I don't want to be disrespectful to people in the community. Like. He's like, I'm all about, like, love and support. Like, love who you want. And, like, he's happily dating uh, Momo now. But, like, he's like, yeah, I just, I want to be supportful to the community. So, like, I didn't want to, like, disrespect someone by saying, oh, no, I'm not. And I'm just like, that's top allyship right there. And uh, speaking of allyship in media, Itaewon class, Nian, have you watched it? Not yet. It's on my watch list, but I'm so bad about watching anything like it doesn't matter if it's like something I've watched before or something I'm currently watching I eventually just forget to watch tv all the time oh mood I know Jay hasn't watched it yet but it's on her list her very long k-drama list listen it's next okay (laughs) I'm gonna keep bugging you about it till you watch it especially uh glaring spoiler warning here there is a character in the in the um the drama that is transgender and she when she comes out to the rest of the staff um in Itaewon class the reaction that Seori Park So Jun's character has is like like she just told him they're like oh I wore a different color underwear today and I'm just like that is how it needs to be Korea and the fact that he, like, everyone else was, like, almost, like, quote, disgusted. And he's like, if y'all got an issue, you can leave. I'm keeping her. I'm just like, yes, this is how it needs to be. So if you haven't watched Itaewon class, right there is a good reason why you need to watch that drama. Also, you know, you open the can of worms on K-drama. I don't want to talk about this too long because we have other things to talk about in this episode. But... We are also seeing a lot of queer representation in K-dramas as well. Um, what was the Reply series? I forgot. Was it 1994 or 1997 where we There's saw- so many of them. There's so many of them, but I, it was the very first one that came out. I think it was with 
A Pink's Unji as the main character. There is a queer character in there too, as well. We're seeing more and more of it happen. Um, there, I forgot the title of the movie. Um, it was a long time ago. Wonder Girls former member Sohi actually played an LGBT character. She, I forgot, like I said, I forgot the name of the film. It escapes me. It was a long time ago. Wonder Girls even, I think they did an OST for the movie because that that's when Sohi was doing her stuff. Um, she, her character was a student, high school student. And at first um, she, I believe she was, with a boyfriend and then I think later on in the movie she realizes that I think I think I'm gay and like you know we're seeing a lot more happening in the sphere of k-drama and k-pop and definitely I think we can all agree that there just needs to be more because this community is very loud and proud and they want to be you know they want to be on the same playing field as they should as they should we're all equals here. It doesn't matter who we're into, you know. It doesn't matter at all, but they deserve to have, you know, their community in the spotlight and represented in the way that, you know, just normal hetero couples are as well. Preach. I mean, at the end of the day, companies, we're talking to you. Like, you guys do a ton of, like, quote, queer baiting on TV anyway. Why not just, like, if the idols are like if the idols are queer let them be out and about about it like we all enjoy the content anyway just let them be like speak their truth and it'll be fine like come on guys like it's not that hard with k-pop being as global it will be real easy change come on guys you can do it we have faith in you i i agree with amber i think if if the true fan loves that group they're not going to change their minds just if a member is gay or bisexual or transgender. I think real friend, real not real friends, real fans will stick by their sides no matter what. And if they're comfortable being out, then they should be allowed to be out. Preach. I mean, half of us will be like, we done knew, but it's glad to hear you say it now. We are here to support our LGBT community. We are a safe space for you guys. And please, if you want somebody to talk to, if you, you know, if you want, if you feel like, you know, you need a space where you want to talk about it, please reach out to us on social media. You know, personally, I, I am not queer, but I am your ally. I am your friend. I will support you. And everybody here who is here today you know, we're open for you. Please reach out to us. We are Def- safe for you. Definitely. As like the one who lives on the craze Twitter, if you ever want to just slide into our DMs and talk about things with us, we'll talk and we'll chat. And um, allies in our in our community and our magazine team, like we can help find you resources if you don't know where to find them yourselves. So definitely, no matter what part of the world you're in, don't be afraid to reach out to us. Agreed. And if you ever, like, want to talk to, like, one of us one-on-one, all of our, um, most of our social medias are on the staff page of the website, right? Yes, they are. We all have, like, if you want to go into one of our um, articles, if you have your social media linked, it will be there. So definitely do reach out to us. 
again, we are a safe space. We are here for you. We support you. You are loved and you are valid. Okay. We love you. So going into the next topic of today's podcast, um, for our personal K-pop stories, I wanted to talk about KCON because technically around this time of the year, KCON USA would be happening, but because of Miss Rona deciding to put everything on lockdown, KCON New York was canceled. And I'm, I wouldn't doubt it if KCON LA would also get um, canceled. But we are on the cusp of something new with this digital realm that we're in called K-Contact, where for seven days, 24 hours, we're going to just be getting K-Con content, whether it's the past concerts or new things that are happening. And this is going on in June from the 20th to the 26th. And, you know, I'm not you know, some of us have had experience with KCON, some of us haven't had. So what are your guys' thoughts on this new age of KCON and what's going on? Before I go into my thoughts on KCON, um, this is not sponsored, people. KCON did not tell us to say any of these things. Just to give you guys the heads up, we're all just regular people who go to KCON too and have our likes and dislikes. Just wanted to put that out there. Now, in past years, we've seen KCOM turn into like a fan from a fan focused event to more of a cash grab. Like, let's be honest, those diamond and platinum tickets, um, unnecessary in price. Yeah, like fifteen hundred dollars for like for that comes out to closer to two grand after Ticketmaster fees and taxes. Like, yeah, cool, you get a bunch of merch and stuff, but like. And you get, like, that, quote, one-on-one time with the idols. And when you talk to people who have gotten those exclusive tickets, it's nothing special. And half of those tickets don't even have the best seats in the house. Like, they're in the pit staring at the idols' butts half the time, which we love a good butt in this house. But, like, I want to see your face, too. Um, but I think with the addition of K-Contact, it would provide some opportunities for fans who can't really afford KCON because let's be honest even when our team goes as press for KCON it's real expensive for us to still go so I definitely think um, KCONTACT will provide an opportunity for fans who have never seen or had that KCON experience um, to have that experience but as someone who's been to KCON three times I've only ever been to KCON New York. My uh, favorite KCON story time is uh, being able to make bibimbap, not bibimbap, being able to make uh, pat bingsu, so uh, shaved ice uh, dessert with Sokyung Longest. Um, she picked some of us out of the crowd and we got to go on stage with her and make pat bingsu. And it was really interesting um, to have that experience, that hands-on thing that you may not be able to have and or to learn how to do and it was one of the things that kind of sparked my interest in Korean food is being able to have that one-on-one time with Sokyang um, and ask her those questions it was really interesting Mian I know you've never really experienced KCON but what are your thoughts on KCON what like what how do you feel about it 
I'm not even sure I know that much about it in general. I know I've had friends who have gone to it. Like, obviously, Roxy's gone to it um, multiple times. But I think it's interesting in a sense, but also, like Amber said, a money grab. Um, If I want to see my idols in concert, I'll put that money towards seeing just them, not this weird convention experience with a thousand other people. But I mean, how also, I mean, I get that. I totally understand. But like the fact that we have a convention all dedicated to K-pop, you know, I think, well, now, yes, you know, it, it is a cash grab at this point. But I think, you know, we have a space where we can collectively come together and just be the fangirls and fanboys that we are. And we get to do these things that, necessarily we might not be able to do and like you can only technically get kind of these kind of things in Korea only and I think that's what I like about the convention because it's just like you get to meet all of these people who are into the same thing it's just not we're bonding over a screen together through chat it's something tangible that we have as k-pop fans I think it's like it's a great idea if it would have stayed that like, it stayed that bonding experience. Like, nowadays, like, if I remember back in the day, like, you went to every K-pop concert you could go to because there were so few that would come stateside. But nowadays, like, you can almost count on groups like BTS will always come stateside every year. Mazda X will always come stateside every year. VAV always comes stateside every year. So, like, you know there are those groups that will always come stateside. Like, there will always be a K-pop concert in America at some point. Um, but if KCON would have stayed fan-focused, um, as someone who has been to KCON and seen, like, both sides of the world, like, as a fan and, like, experiences with press events, um, if they were to lean heavily and, like, encourage the fan participation, like, Listeners, you guys know the Craze Magazine works towards helping fans get closer to the action, but let's be real, those of us who have been to KCON, we've had our less than pleasant experiences with staff that are there that aren't even there because they enjoyed KCON. They're there for the paycheck, and they don't care about how they treat fans. Definitely, it's one of those things where, you know, also sometimes, you know, certain fans can ruin the experience as well. Um you know, like, I've definitely had my fair run of people who are very disrespectful and rude, and will do anything to push and shove to see, you know, their idol on stage or on the floor, you know. Um, I mean, while I like that type of interaction, it happens, sometimes it can be a little unsafe. Um, I can't, Obviously, I've never been to KCON New York. That was actually supposed to be my goal for this year was to go to KCON New York, depending on how things panned out. Um, But I can say for being on the LA side and going to KCON LA and being in that, you know, convention center, sometimes it can be scary. It can be scary. Like you find out somebody's on the floor. Oh God, go in the other direction because, or you have to just be in the know to know oh, this person is going to be there, so I'm going to camp out kind of situation. And it can be scary and unsafe in that sense. And then um, sometimes, like, I've definitely noticed 
you know, just by the looks on their faces, like, oh God, I don't think I was prepared to see this many people around. Definitely. Like, Western fans can be kind of scary for K-pop idols. Like, um, I went to KCOM before they moved into Javits. Um, the Javits Center in New York, it, while it was still outside the Prudential Center. And let me tell you, when, like, when the year Pentagon, was it Pentagon? No, it was I as of... They were crazy, too. I, I got to see that from the green room when they were on the floor in L.A. <sighs> I was glad I was not on the floor. Like, as a, I re- they brought um, a group to... The Toyota tent, where they had, like, random dance plays, and everyone would dance and hang out there. And, like, bringing these idols to the tents, like, it's it's crazy. It's so scary to watch it. Like, there's some spots, though, like, if you are one, like, I like the people watch. And if you just want to see them moving around, it's always fun to just, like, camp at the back. And, like, where the in- exit enter is. And, like, just don't bother them. Just Just watch. Say hi. Be like, hello, we love you. And then that's about it. Like, the idols don't mind if you say hi and just like that. But, like, don't come more than six. Like, it should be social distancing all the time when it comes to the idols. Don't be within six feet of your idol unless you have permission to be there. Definitely not convincing me, me in to uh-huh, go to KCON with what we're talking about right now. But um, I do want to talk about like the other side of KCON which it's going back to the convention portion of it where I like how we have different panels where we can have more close-knit discussions about different things what um I know a big thing you know relating it back to the earlier topic that we have one of the biggest panels that we like I've seen a lot of people go to and are so excited like is the LGBT panel that happens and you have you have queer people who are fans and you know are pushing the um agenda for the queer agenda to be like hey we need more representation soju was there um if you know who flawless kevin is we've actually have an interview with him go check that out um and miles j and we're seeing more and more queer representation in the panels as well we see a lot of K-drama focus and dances and just uh, another, I think, well, me and Amber are going to probably be in this panel soon enough, um, depending on, or even me and too, uh, the K-pop fans over 30. I'm not saying that we're there. But hey now, hey now, I'm hey, not even 20. Hey, 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 hey now. I've got two years, <laughs> just throwing that out there. <laughs> I got three. I got three. I so. have uh, six, so leave me out of this. You're a tiny Fine, baby. Fair. fair enough. But still, uh, I mean, that that's another panel that is widely popular in KCON, and it happens both in New York and in L.A., I believe, um, where, you know, you see older fans coming together and talking about things. And I think that's, like, one of the best parts of KCON, where – you get to sit in on these discussions and, you know, hear what other people have to say as well. If um, me and, because I, I, I want you to talk a little bit more, like what would be something panel-wise or like what would you like to see if you were actually able to go to KCON? I definitely think like the, you know, like the LGBT one would definitely interest me 
um, even if I wasn't part of the community, just because, you know, it's nice to see people advocating for representation. Um, probably not the over 30s, just because I'm not 30 yet. Um, <laughs> just going to keep going with that logic. But I don't know. I think I would like to see, you know, like, if there was a panel about breaking down, like, the storylines of different albums because I'm one of those fans where they had I, one in New York. They did. I can't analyze music videos or anything like the BTS entire thing. I I can't wrap my head around it. So if somebody could like break it down have, for me, that'd be great. They, they have, have such a complex universe. It, oh my even, god! I don't even attempt. No. Oh my god! We can go into like fan theories and things in another episode. That can be an entire episode of the um, podcast. Maybe on BTS's anniversary, we'll talk about theories. Who knows? Keep, keep, keep listening, guys. We'll see what if that happens. If you want that episode, tweet us. Yeah, tweet us. Um, my favorite KCON panel is actually ran by Tumin Jin Jong Ki, um, the Battle of the Bias panel. Um, and it's basically you split into two teams, and it's like, not like say a, like a, I don't want to say it a diss battle, but it's like, you go up there and like you say like why your bias is the best and it you go head to head and it it can get pretty nasty like you think fandom twitter is nasty you should go to this panel but it's all in like lighthearted fun and it's so much fun to attend and everyone is just laughing and enjoying it the whole time and being around that community was like one of the best things that and um taking my first class with one million at KCON New York, where they did the outdoor class, you can actually find that video on YouTube. And, like, those experiences that you may not get um, anywhere else. Like, we're – America's been very lucky these days as we're getting, like, things like fan signs and fan meets and those things that are very common in Korea, and now we are getting them globally. However, like, KCON was the place for these things at first. So I wonder how KCON is going to adapt as more and more companies are realizing they can make more money if they just do it themselves. Definitely going on the fan engagement portion of KCON. I mean, while I enjoy it, um, now it's become a thing where, you know, you have to pay for which passes you want. And now I'm pretty sure it happens in New York. Um, but definitely you see it in LA, people are trying so hard to trade or sell or find these all the time and i remember last year the hot ticket was 80s 80s was the hot ticket to like i want to meet them and yes i can't even imagine how many signs i've seen like we'll trade this for 80s or we'll trade this for this group or this artist it it's become such a thing within the KCON culture and technically it's not allowed but, but it anyway. it's one of those things they kind of just turn a blind eye to um yeah definitely you need to um KCON is pricey especially if you want to make sure you meet your faves you better come pack in cash um so I went to KCON 
the years BTS was there and the year 101 was there um, in New York. And I had real go- good luck with my passes that year. I pulled high touch for both groups. And I'm just like, first year, I was like, I should keep this. But then I ran out of spending money. So I'm like, you know, I really don't have to high touch BTS. It's whatever. I literally ran to the other side of the trading spot, yelled, I have a BTS high touch. And the first person that got to me handed me $500 in cash for it. And then the year 101 was there, I got a high touch then. And I let it go for, I was like, hey, I went to the first person with a 101 that wanted 101. And she's, I'm like, I have a 101 high touch. I'm looking for this group. And she didn't have it. And she's like, but I'll pay you in cash for it. And I'm, she's like, how much do you want for it? And she pulls up this roll of bills, like a fat roll of like 20s. And I'm just like, how much money did you bring to this? And like, I'm like, I have to pay my way to go to KCON because I'm like a 20 something year old college student. And we broke. Like KCON makes you broke. Um, and what I think she said like $200 and I was like done. And that was on the low end of high touch cost. Like if you're going to come to KCON and you care deeply about who you meet, at the events, be prepared to throw stacks of money. Like when they when K-pop is expensive, it it really be that expensive. Want to reiterate, we are not sponsored by KCON to say any of these any of these things. We are just talking about our personal experiences. Mingin, Amian is sorry, excuse me. Um, only gets to hear how we are seeing, and she's they are probably like. Man, these people are crazy. <laughs> um, and yeah, uh, definitely the trading aspect for fan engagement is insane. Um, I will say, though, I want to say my favorite experiences of KCON um, that I've had was one, I actually was caught on camera a couple of times. Um, and so you can actually find me in the crowd. Um, it was the year Crush on Zion T was there. Um, I was shown I loved their set. that year. Um, I was shown during their set. Um, and then uh, this, like nowadays, nowadays, it's not going to happen just like that. But the year Wants the X first came. And then when they were babies. I was so, 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 so fortunate that I happened to be in the right place at the right time where they came out to one of the group, uh, the booths. No one really knew who they were. Oh, I made definite eye, eye contact with Shonu, Kihyun, Minhyuk. I definitely have pictures where Minhyuk came up to us in our section. Um, uh, very the girl in front of me. Unfortunately, there was a girl in front of me. Minhyuk came up to her and took a picture with her. But I have me taking a picture of that moment, so you see me in the frame too. But also, um, it was one of my favorite ones just because it's like, wow, I'm so close to them. Obviously, respectfully, like about ten feet apart from them, but they were definitely laying on the fan service and they're like oh my god there's people here and this is this is when they were first here um 
I definitely also making eye contact with them is the most surreal thing in the world because uh, I'm going to go on a little tangent here, but this is when people started to find out that they were on the floor. And so people began to push and shove. That was one of the downsides to KCON, pushing and shoving. Please don't. It's not worth it. Like, you do not need to push and shove, really. There was no, like, real barrier. And at the time, security was not as intense as it is now um, if an idol were to go on the floor. But I actually was pushed so hard. And I'm in the front. Like, they can see me. The girl who was in front of me is shorter than me. And I'm tiny. I got pushed pretty hard where I nearly fell flat on the concrete floor and um if i didn't like brace myself kihan and shonu were right in front of me and they were like looking at me horrified that this happened and they're like looking at me and like signaling to me are you okay and i'm like you know i'm like obviously i'm annoyed you know that people are pushing and shoving but it's just like that even though it was a bad experience it's like oh god you're looking right at me Oh, God. Kind of embarrassing, but at the same time, oh, you notice me. That's so weird. Oh, I don't know how to feel. And it's one of those things afterwards, it's like, did that happen? Like, wow, y'all are so handsome in person. Like, you're, you're just not somebody who I see on the screen anymore. Don't even get me started on how I saw 80s last year. And I was right there. I'll send you guys fan cams of that. Please do. I need them for science. Thank you. Yes, please. Uh, science. Thank you. Um, the last thing I want to say about KCOM before we just continue on um, with our last little thing here is that you we are talking about how like KCOM can be a money drain. It tends to be a money grab. But at the end of the day, you do make some great, ex- great memories at KCOM, like meeting fellow fans, um, being able to be in like a not like almost completely welcoming community um is one of the best things that you can have as a k-pop fan like i remember when like being the only k-pop fan i knew like even before the communities were really popular on the internet um it can be kind of like isolating and things i don't know if jay you remember what it was like um when we were younger and not having like those friends who like k-pop um and it just provides you that sense of belonging that a lot of us have found being within the K-pop community. So if you do want to go to KCON, we can we can help you. Like we will help you with a guide. Like I've wrote tons of KCON fan guides about things and just we can talk about how to do KCON on a budget. Because if you can go, you should at least go once and have that experience. And while we are complaining about KCON, it's there's more good than bad. Uh, would you say the same, Jay? Definitely. I've written, it's come up in, I think I've done it at least before um, we hit web. Um, I've definitely written the K-pop, uh, K-pop, KCON survival guides almost like consecutively like hey reminder kcom season's here it's happening here's a survival guide and how like tips on how to survive kcon how to you know navigate kcon and kcon is changing every single year we are getting k contact and going back to it you know this is a live streamed event and 
for somebody who's new and hasn't been to KCON and like like me and you know this is the chance and the opportunity to see this is what it's like this is the concert and it's free or there's going to be some i believe there's going to be some pay-per-view things happening with k contact but just even this weekend this past weekend um they did a 72 hour stream of free content for kcon they they played all of their concerts from kcon japan thailand la new york and you know there's so many opportunities for in the future we're gonna see kcon in south america oh no we already do it already happened actually take that back we're gonna see more in europe I, i'm praying because i i firmly believe our europe k-pop fans are so deprived of events that it needs to happen already and and it's just to end it all it's an an opportunity for you to see what kcon is and you know even though we're not getting the personal like actual events you know happening in japan in south america in la new york you know here it is it's it's available digitally and you know you get to the the plus side of k contact don't gotta spend as much on a hotel room on food on all of you know where are you gonna stay and stuff like that and it's a taste and i hope you guys you know enjoy this opportunity because i'm definitely going to be watching or as much as i can at least ditto i'll be watching too and be live tweeting from the gay con from the craze twitter account so we'll be here to fangirl with you i'm definitely interested in watching some of the the k content that comes out um as somebody whose only k-pop experience has been um driving to Canada for BTS and um, volunteering for a Jimin cup sleeve event last year. Um, I definitely see why like going to the convention and being amongst your people is very fun and very something that people would want to do. And hopefully me low-key bashing KCON at the beginning of the segment isn't seen as me hating it completely like I can see the appeal of it definitely for sure we have a baby who's not exposed to a lot of events just yet but yeah definitely I I encourage you to at least watch it just so you can see like oh you know this is what happens obviously it's not the same as being there in person but I look forward to seeing how you react to it. Yes, I, my, Me too. Yeah. My second K-pop concert was supposed to be 80s the week before my birthday and coronavirus happened. So fingers crossed, hopefully soon I get to see 80s. You will. Ugh, Miss Rona just ruining everything. Well, while before we move into our last section, uh, don't forget we have our magazine sale going on. So a 15%, don't quote me on that, but there is a discount if you use hashtag stock, S-T-O-C-K. Go on our website, order issues. There's not that many in stock anymore, guys. Um, You can pick up the quarterly issue that we talked about today, like a handful of other issues that we have available. Um, So again, stock issue for our magazine, hashtag S-T-O-C-K. Now, Last 
content of the podcast is our rookie group highlights or underrated group highlights. And this week we have MCND. So MCND is the junior group of attention and teen top out of top media. They have five member boy five member boy group that they released a pre-debut single on January 2nd and actually debuted this year on February 27th. So right as coronavirus started kicking off um, in Korea, they debuted. Here's the part we all want to know when we learn about rookie groups. How old are they? Well, guys, I'm sorry. Sorry to let you know. The oldest is 1999 and the youngest is, brace yourselves, 2004. What are our thoughts? Babies! Literal babies. Their debut single was called Ice Age, um, and their pre-debut single was Top Gang. Unlike other boy groups who tend to come with that, like, fresh baby face look, they went a completely other direction. What did you guys think of their song, um, Top Gang? I mean, they're still baby face till now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm just saying that. Yeah, they they are literal children. Um, but they try to be like all tough and the like gr- like the grungy vibe. And I'm just like, um, it's cute. Like you guys aren't old enough to do this yet. Like you tried. When I was told to listen, I was told Ice Age was catchy. And so I might have just listened to that one on repeat a lot. <laughs> um, but their debut was really good, too. I actually, I don't have, like, a lot of K-pop groups downloaded on my Google Play. I listen to a lot of them, like, elsewhere. But I actually downloaded their debut album just because it was so good. Oh, man. It was, my favorite song off that album isn't even the title track. It's their song, Hey You. And it's so cute. Like, it's very, like, it's traditional boy group, like, baby boy group sound. But with, like, that little, that little sprinkle that makes it to where it doesn't blend into every other boy group. It was, yeah, that one was super sweet as well. For me, my exposure to MCND um, was that the timeline blew up with, um, I believe it was the Ice Age music video snippets. And everybody's like, yo, check out who this group is. They're doing stuff, blah, 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 blah. And I never really, like, got into them until we started doing research for the podcast. And I can see why people are like, yo, like, check this group out. There's a lot of potential there. A lot of potential. Of course, they're still babies. They're fresh. But, I mean, if we're just going to talk about the virality of this group right now, um, Ice Age and uh, is it Spring was their new their new um, release? They have over 10 million views on YouTube. That's insane for a rookie group. Right. For a rookie group. Like, they're, no, they're literal babies. Their comeback was, their first comeback was April 9th, and they just debuted in February. So definitely they're, they're going to be a group that everybody has to look forward to. Like, there is a lot of potential there. They're very talented. You know me. I've said it before in past um, podcasts. You know, I really like a strong rapper in a group, in a boy group specifically. I mean, they caught my attention. Castle J, their leader. Yes. 
he he spit bars I was like good boy man the thing that caught me about this group is um their song Ice Age went viral on TikTok see I'm not in the TikTok realm so I wouldn't know but I wouldn't doubt like it. people were using uh Ice Age for I think it was showing off your album collection and like everyone was using it and I'm just like okay I see you and I mean MCND has big shoes to fill they've got like they've coming off hot off up tension um at like Usak and Jinhyuk and then they're coming off like like k-pop like old heads like teen top like come on I remember when teen top debuted it's interesting to see how they are filling those big shoes. I don't like comparing, but when I listened to them, I was just like, wow, this is like, they're going like, I'm not saying that they're the same. Okay. Oh God. I'm, I'm very hesitant to say this, but um, don't, don't do that. You know how those fandoms can be, <laughs> but it's definitely, I, I mean, I'm not saying it's bad, but I really like it because, Hey, I'm into them too. They have a very eighties like sound and I'm, like when they debuted. I agree. I okay, agree. Good. Because I was just I like. I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking the same thing. Okay, good. Because I was so hesitant because it's just like, they sound a lot like 80s and I'm here for it. You know, I'm not saying that they're the same because they're not. They're, they're two different groups, two different styles, but the way how they made an impression to me is similar to how they made an impression, how 80s made an impression on me. It's something hard hitting. It's in your face. The, it's a raw and rough sound. Let's go. I'm in. You got me. They are starting to go like backwards. Like, remember, like, Jay, you'll remember this. Like, the way their new rookie groups are debuting is like how, like, our early gen groups would debut. Like, um, BTS, like, their, their debut was a little rough, like this. And, like, older groups, they tend to come out, especially boy groups, they tend to come out with like this punchy in the face type sound back then and now we're like coming back full circle so i wonder if we're we're hitting like a like a k-pop renaissance i'm not saying that they're the same but the sounds are very similar and i like it like i like this type of sound that they have going on and like i mentioned they have mcnd has a lot of potential and i'm looking forward to seeing what they're gonna do because if they're getting this virality early on who knows where they're going to be a year from now or a couple of years from now. Yeah, for sure. I feel like social media also has changed like so much about how K-pop is spread because that's how I found about out about K-pop was through Instagram surprisingly. And so it's amazing to me that like this this group that's been around for all of 3 months now has already made such an impression on people. Is it someone we're going to listen to on a regular basis, guys? Because I know, like, some of our rookie groups have been a little bit more hit or miss for a lot of us. And remember, like we say every episode, that if they may not be a group that we would listen to, um, we want you guys to check them out, like, and make your own opinions about things. Like, we may love MCND sound, but we know it may not be everyone's cup of tea. But the point of this whole section is to just give these um, – under promoted groups that support and that push so i definitely have ice age on my playlist i will definitely be looking forward to other releases by them for sure um i have ice age and every other song also on my playlist i have top gang 
fully lo- locked and loaded on mine. And I'm like, hey, don't, don't at me. I actually really like this song along with Ice Age. I want to see how they're going to develop as a group. Um, they're super new. They're, there's a lot to come for them. So let's see what ha- what's going to happen in the future. I will definitely be on the lookout and see how they grow. Um, yeah, it's a hit for me. Let's go. And with that, we conclude this week's episode. Um, and so overall, what are you guys' thoughts? You know, what are your thoughts about what we talked about today? How do we feel? What are we excited for? What are we not? Anything. Like, like I say every week, remember to wash your hands, guys. It's important. Um, I think we need more LGBTQ representation. Um, and fans need to know where the line is when it comes to shipping. And uh, stream Top Gank? Um, definitely agree. More representation is always wonderful, especially when it's done beautifully and just so well done, you know. Looking forward to MCND and very happy that I joined you guys this week in place of Roxy. Just know me and you are always welcome to come back onto the podcast whenever you'd like. Thank you so much for being here. Make sure to follow us on all our social media. Remember, it is on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Craze Magazine and on YouTube, The Craze. Thank you guys so much for joining us on this week's podcast. This has been The Craze Cast and we shall see you next week. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.